Happy New Year. Hey, if you got a Bible, let me hear your pages turning to the book of Galatians and the sixth chapter. Galatians chapter six. I realized this morning that with the exception of when we've been out of town, this is the first time in about 30 years that my wife Sandy and I have driven to church together. Isn't that something? Been in churches with multiple services so long. And she's always been so great for all those early years in particular when she had to get the kids ready by herself and come to church never late, always on time, because she is, in fact, the perfect wife. (laughs) In fact, let's celebrate her. She doesn't get any attention. It's been a rough several weeks, as you know, with... uh, Sandy and her family as her brother passed away and then her mom passed away just about a week ago. So appreciate all the prayers and all the cards and kind comments that have come our way. Um, One of the most compelling things that Jesus ever said is found in John chapter 10 and verse 10 when he said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And of course, I've said before that many of us are so familiar with those words from older translations. That's the way my NIV Bible renders that verse, but we grew up, many of us, hearing the words of Jesus saying, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And that's a great New Year's thought for all of us this morning as we worship together. The word that is used there in the original language for have it to the full or abundantly is the Greek word perisos. And in the original uh, 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 meaning of the word, these, these are the kinds of ideas we get associated with that abundant life or that life that's to the full, greater, excessive, Exceeding a cut above, going past the expected limit, and on and on and on. And the more you study the word, the more it makes you long for the everyday experience of that abundant life, of that life to the full. And yet one of the things that I have noticed over the years as a pastor in the lives of the people that I've served, and oftentimes in my own life as well, if I'm going to be honest, is that we are prone to settle for something less than that abundance, something less than that life to the full. Let me try to explain what I mean. We often settle for church attendance and religious habits rather than a vibrant relationship with Christ. We settle for a job that brings us a paycheck rather than a purpose or a calling. We settle for having acquaintances with other people as opposed to strong friendships and genuine community, and I could go on and on. It's like choosing to spend the majority of our lives in the shallow end of the pool when it's in the deep end of the pool where we find the greatest level of enjoyment. And so what I want to do on this first Sunday of the new year is I wanna try to give you a very simple and a very practical way to discover 
how to experience the reality of what Jesus spoke of there in John chapter 10. And I'm gonna try to make this as practical as possible. One simple way to experience that life to the full or that abundance life that Jesus came into the world to give, and you might wanna write this down somewhere if you're someone who takes notes, is to embrace the truth that life is a day after day journey. Life is a day after day after day after day journey. I've been a Christian for well more than 50 years, and I know there can be times in our lives when we experience the presence of God and the life of Jesus in powerful ways. It can happen during moving times of worship. It can happen in moments of great joy and great celebration. It can happen in moments of profound thankfulness and gratitude to God for his love and his mercy and his provision. And it can happen sometimes even in painful moments of brokenness and repentance. But the bottom line is there can be moments in our lives of faith where we experience the presence of God in the life of Jesus in incredibly powerful ways. But as significant as those moments, and that's the key there, those moments are, that's not the full and abundant life that Jesus talks about in John chapter 10 and verse 10. Because the full and the abundant life that Jesus talks about, that Jesus promises, that Jesus offers, is not about moments that are scattered throughout your life, it's about your every day, day after day after day life. We don't move from the mountaintop, or excuse me, from the, from the um, ground level to the mountaintop in one giant leap. We get there as a result of a step-by-step journey. I think I've probably used this illustration at some point over the 20 plus years that I've been here before, but we've all heard about and read about those incredible stories where someone who is able to find extraordinary, unbelievable strength in the midst, maybe even supernatural strength in the midst of a crisis. We've heard those stories about people lifting incredibly heavy weights off of someone to rescue someone in the moment of a crisis. Uh, because I've heard about that, because I've read, I've, uh, read about that in, in the past, I thought, well, let me just do a little bit of research on this, see if I can understand it, see if there's some kind of a scientific explanation to this kind of thing. So I did a little bit of research on it, and I found one particularly interesting article that was called How Superhuman Strength Happens. How Superhuman Strength Happens. And the article had a specific name for this phenomenon, it called it hysterical strength, hysterical strength. And it went on to talk about the different things that are involved in those kinds of moments and those kinds of events, the rush of adrenaline someone can feel when they are faced with a life-threatening situation. And while it's hard to prove conclusively that this is real because you can't replicate those moments, you can't take them in the lab and scientifically reproduce them so that you can break them down and examine them and say, yes, this is the real thing or it's a big fake, there are, according to this article, certain psychological and physiological factors that will lead to this hysterical strength in someone's life. Uh, things like, here's some of the things they listed, things like physical potential, somebody's physical potential, uh, what they call the fight or flight response to a crisis, um, the amygdala, 
which is a part of your brain that's associated with fear and how it kicks into gear in difficult situations, uh, in desperate situations, adrenaline, cortisol, cortisol, uh, endorphins, and you can go on and on. Honestly, the longer I read the article, the more I realized I was in over my head with the article. Uh, but, but I understood it to the point where they were saying that this is a very real possibility, this, this, these moments of hysterical strength, supernatural strength. Well, here's the, here's the reason why I tell you that, because here's the point I wanna make. One single moment in a crisis situation, in a life or death situation, one single moment of hysterical strength is not going to land you on the Olympic weightlifting team. And here's why. Because it was exactly that. It was just one single moment of hysterical strength, of supernatural strength. And if you want to make the United States Olympic weightlifting team, you're going to have to embrace the day after day after day discipline of lifting weights and building strength through constant repetition. Let's think about that in spiritual terms. One of the most significant commands, significant commands rather, in the New Testament, when it comes to living this full life and this abundant life that Jesus talks about in John 10, is the command to be filled with the Spirit. Look at these words on the screen from Paul, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. He says, read it with me. Let me hear your voices. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And the word debauchery there is in my NIV Bible just means a life that's out of control, basically. Do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery or debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, this is a significant command. And as I said, related to that full life and that abundant life Jesus talks about in uh, John chapter 10 and verse 10. In Romans 8, the apostle Paul gives us some insight into the work of the Holy Spirit when he calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Christ. Now, of course, we know the Holy Spirit is a part of the triune nature of God, this biblical truth that there's one God who exists at all times in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And in Romans chapter 8, Paul shows us a little bit of that triune nature when he calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Christ. Now, we don't have time to talk about this in detail, but one of the most significant roles of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, who lives inside of us, one of the most significant roles he plays inside of us is to work in us to produce in us the character of Christ. But here's what I want you to understand. That can only happen. It will only happen in your life and my life when we allow ourselves to be filled with the Spirit to be filled with the Spirit. And that takes us back to Ephesians chapter five and verse 18 where Paul says, do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled, everyone say filled, filled with the Spirit. Here's the way that verse, or that latter part of that verse literally reads in the original language of the New Testament. It reads like this, be being kept filled with the Spirit. Be being kept filled with the Spirit. And so what Paul is telling us is that being filled with the Spirit is not just some kind of a one-time thing. It's not just some one-time event in your life. Being filled with the Spirit is something that needs to happen every day, day after day after day. It's a continuous action, day after day after day. In addition to that, the word filled, when Paul says be 
filled with the Spirit is the Greek word plerao, and it has the meaning of controlled. And so being filled with the Spirit means you live every single day of your life, every single day, day after day after day, in a way that allows the Holy Spirit inside of you to guide and direct and control your life. That means every thought that you have, every word that you speak, every action that you involve yourself in is under the day after day after day control of the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. It means you submit to Him. It means you yield to Him inside of you again every day, day after day after day. Because the full and abundant life Jesus offers us is the result of a day after day commitment. Now let me get real practical with you about how this can happen. Because I really, I really think this is the right message for all of us to hear at the beginning of a new year. If you have your Bibles open to Galatians 6 and you're able, go ahead and stand with me because this is where we get real practical about how this happens. This is honestly one of my favorite verses, or, or passages rather, in the New Testament because it contains one of my favorite verses in the New Testament, really my, what I would call my life verse when it comes to just serving the Lord. That would be uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. But let's read verses 7 through 10 together. You follow along. Paul says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all believers, especially to those who belong to the family, or to all people, rather, especially those who belong to the family of believers. There it is. You can be seated. We always ask God to bless the reading and the hearing of his word. In this passage, honestly, what Paul gives us is what we might call the law of the harvest, which is basically this truth that I hope every one of us understands today that we reap what we sow. And we can, act, we can apply that to every part of life. In every part of life, we reap what we sow. That's the law of the harvest. If every day we, if every day we sow uh, seeds of spiritual growth into our lives, seeds of health, seeds of love, seeds of prosperity, and things like that, then we're going to reap those things. If every day we uh, sow seeds of failure in our lives or pain in our lives or poverty in our lives or death in our lives, then that's what we're going to reap in our lives. But the bottom line is we sow seeds into our lives every single day. Every one of us does. Whether we know it or not, we do it every single day. And Paul says the seeds we sow into our lives determines the kind of harvest that one day we will reap. In fact, if you look back at verses 8 and 9, if you still got your Bible open there, Paul literally says, the one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Every day we're sowing seeds in our lives. We just have to determine the kinds of seeds that we sow. Now, there are a lot of things that we could say about these words, Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10, but in the context of this message then I want to point out the obvious. 
And the obvious is this picture of repetition that Paul paints here with these words because he's really talking about, whether he says it specifically or not, really what he's talking about as we go through our lives is sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping. That happens all throughout our lives. How many of you know that's true? You're old enough to know that's true. We're always doing this. We're constantly living in the reality of the seeds that we've sown and the harvest that we reap. And sowing the right kind of seeds in our lives, Paul calls those seeds sowing to the Spirit, will lead to that full and abundant life that Jesus offers. So let me give you, with the remaining time, let me give you three words that can help us make sure as we begin this new year and we go throughout the year, help, that will help us make sure we're committed to sowing the right kind of seeds in our lives. This is going to be a really simple outline. If you'd like to take notes, write down next to number one, the word plan. Plan. And what I mean by that is when I look at these words, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 10, and I look at them through the lens of, of, a, of a deep desire in my heart for myself and for all of you to experience the abundant life that Jesus offers, that life to the full that Jesus offers. As I look at those words, with that in mind, I understand that each one of us needs a plan. Everyone say plan. Plan for the kind of seeds we're going to sow in our lives. Because as Paul says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, a man reaps what he sows. So here's a great question for all of us at the beginning of a new year. What do you want most out of life? I ask that question to everyone present, everyone joining us online. Sorry, I didn't welcome you folks online because I lost my mind and didn't put my microphone on this morning and got really out of sync, but I'm so glad you're here. What do you want most out of life? I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold my place in Galatians 6. You don't have to do this, but I'm gonna go back to my left. I'm gonna go to the book of Psalms. I'm gonna find Psalm um, 37, which is just a, a wonderful passage of scripture, a wonderful Psalm. And I'm gonna read the first four verses of Psalm 37. I'm gonna read this in the light of the question. Um, what do you want most out of life? Here's what David says as he begins Psalm 37. <clears throat> do not fret because of evil men, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Then he says in verses three and four, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Listen to these words in verse four. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. What a great passage of scripture. It's verse four. That really captures my attention. How are you and I to understand the words, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart? Well, it's as simple as this. David isn't saying that God is going to give you the desires of your heart in the sense that he's going to give you everything your heart wants. Although, to be honest with you, friends, I do think there is an application of that in the verse. I do think there is an application of that promise in the verse. But the main application, at least this is what I believe, is that God is going to give you the things, everyone say things, things, the specific things that your heart will end up desiring. In other words, he's going to give you the desires that you actually feel in your heart because he's going to give you the desires, the kind of desires that are fitting with someone who delights themselves in the Lord. 
Someone who delights himself in the Lord is not gonna have selfish or sinful or ugly desires. They're gonna have the kind of desires that honor God and the promise of the scripture is that God's gonna give you those desires. And so a great test of the depth of our spiritual lives would be to sit down and make a list of the things that your heart desires. Now, it's the first day of a new year. I don't know, uh, some people always embrace making New Year's resolutions. Some people think that's a stupid and foolish waste of time, and I don't care what you believe on that because everybody's free to believe their own thing. But if you were to sit down and make a list right now, sometime today, on January 1st, 2023, of the things that your heart desires, what do you think you'd put on that list? I, this is something that I have done multiple times throughout the years, because I'm a guy that kind of, I like, I like the beginning of a new year, I like New Year's resolutions, I like getting refocused, I like thinking ahead and things like that. But it, honestly, as we come to this year, uh, it's, it's been a little while since I've done that. The last couple years prior, they've been a little bit discouraging, haven't they? in a lot of different ways. So I thought, this is something that I need to do again. So I sat down and uh, I, uh, I wrote down a list of the things that my heart desires. Uh, and I would encourage you to think about doing the same thing. I, I would say this, be honest about it. Don't spiritualize it, you know? Uh, don't, don't, don't put down what you think God wants you to put down there. Just be really honest and write down the genuine desires of your heart. Because if there's something on your list that shouldn't be there and you're somebody who embraces the instruction to delight yourself in the Lord, then God is gonna help you deal with that. He's gonna help you deal with it because he's, he, in one of three ways, he's either gonna remove it from your life, he's gonna place it in your life or he's going to redirect it in your life as he works through you. So be absolutely honest. Now, I, I did that. I sat down when I, my list was complete. I, I looked at it and I looked at it for the purpose of evaluation. And I didn't find anything on my list that I thought was outside of the boundaries of God's will for my life. There, in other words, my, my list wasn't full of a lot of worldly things. Um, so I could say as I looked at my list, I was certain, I felt pretty certain that my list contained a harvest that God wanted me to reap. But then came the critical question, and this is the reason why we go through the process of making the list, of identifying the things our heart desires. Because then comes the critical question, was this the harvest I was sowing in my life? Was I sowing the seeds to result in this harvest in my life? And that brings me to the second point in the outline. Because the second point in the outline is just the simple word, so. The first word is plan, the second word is so, S-O-W. Because after we identify the things our hearts, desires, our hearts desire, we have to ask the question, is this the seed I'm sowing? And if I'm gonna be honest, as I looked at my list, I'd have to say no, not completely. I can look at my list and I say, you know, this is a pretty good list, honestly. I don't see anything that's outside the boundary of God's will for my life. I don't think my list isn't filled with selfish, worldly things. But I looked at my list and said, are these the seeds that I'm sowing? Is this a harvest that's gonna be the result of the seeds I'm sowing? And my honest answer had to be no, not completely. Because there were things on my list that are the desires of my heart, but I'm not actively sowing the seeds that I need to be sowing to make them a reality. Let me give you an example. On my list was the desire to experience more peace in my life and more patience from my life. But just writing that down on a piece of paper is not gonna make that happen. 
And so as I looked at my list and I evaluated my list in, in line with whether or not these were the kinds of sow, seeds I was sowing, then I realized I basically have two options when it comes to realizing more peace and more patience in my life. My first option, and I think all of us can relate to this, my first option is I can just resolve. New Year's are about New Year's resolutions, right? I can just resolve in my heart to be more peaceful and more patient. And you know what the result of that would be? The result of that would be I would probably be more peaceful and more patient in my life for a while, right? For a while. Then one morning I would get up and I would be in my car for three minutes calling somebody a moron as they drove down the road by me. (laughs) Because on my own, listen, you're just exactly like me in this respect. On our own, we can resolve, we can resolve with our will to change things in our lives and we can be successful for a while, for a while. But then, you know, the reality of our sinful, fallen, weak, frail flesh is gonna show up and that's gonna be sabotaged. So that's my first option. My second option is I could, as I move into the new year, I could resolve to allow the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit of peace and the fruit of patience in my life. Look at these words on the screen from Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23. Paul says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy. Read the next one. Peace, read it, patience. Then he goes on, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Peace, patience. But the fruit of the spirit, among other things, is peace and patience. The exact two things that I'm looking for in my life. But the fruit of the Spirit is not going to happen in your life or in my life as a result of your effort or my effort. It happens as a result of your submission and my submission. Submission to who? Submission to the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me. Because when I submit to the Holy Spirit, which means when I surrender every part of my life to the Holy Spirit on a daily basis... When I allow myself to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and remember, the word filled means controlled. When I allow myself to be filled or controlled with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, something happens inside of me. So how do you do that? What's that that mean? How 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 are you filled? How do you submit to the Holy Spirit? Well, this is how it happens. It happens when you live your life every day under the authority of God's word. It happens when you live your life every day with the conviction to confess your sin when you sin. 1 John 1 and verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He being God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins on a daily basis, so there's nothing you know, that mars my relationship with God. And that's what unconfessed sin can do in our lives. So if, if, if I... If I uh, uh, live every day of my life under the authority of the word of God, if I live every day of my life with a willingness to confess my sin and ask God for forgiveness, uh, if I live my every day, uh, every day of my life um, studying the word of God and applying the word of God to my life, if I live my life in spiritual community with other believers and on and on and on, when I do that, when I live and I walk by the spirit, when I live a spiritual life, that's when the Holy Spirit produces the fruit of the spirit in me and through me. 
The fruit of the Spirit is a result of our submission to the Holy Spirit. So as you put those two options that I have up on the board again uh, to experience more peace and more patience in my life, and the first option is I just resolve to feel peace and patience. Or if I submit myself to the Holy Spirit, if I surrender to the Holy Spirit, if I allow myself to be filled with the Holy Spirit through my submission and my surrender, he produces peace and patience in me. Which do you think is the most long-lasting, most satisfying option? The answer is pretty clear, isn't it? And the same process applies to other areas of discipline in life as well. Once you plan, listen, once you plan your goals, your spiritual goals, the kind of life that you want to live, and you do it, you do it in light of your, your love for God and your commitment to live for God. Once you do that uh, and you submit to the Holy Spirit, you allow yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then he'll produce in you the fruit of the Spirit and you're gonna begin to realize those goals, those goals and those desires in your life. Earlier, I talked about Paul's command uh, in Ephesians 5.18 where he says to be filled with the Spirit. And I told you the literal translation there in the original language is be being kept filled, which clearly describes a continuous action, which goes along with this idea of, of, of day after day after day. We have to be committed to our, our faith day after day after day. Let me give you another example of that. I'm gonna put Galatians 5.16 up on the screen. Paul, see, Paul talked a lot about the Holy Spirit and what it means to really live with the Holy Spirit inside of you, understand the role of the Holy Spirit inside of you. In Galatians 5, 16, he says, so I say live, everyone say live, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So the word live there, if you might have a different translation of the Bible, it can easily be translated walk also. So this, it's the idea of, of every day you live under the, under the uh, rule and the authority and the control of the Holy Spirit. That's the idea there. But the word there that can be translated live or be, or be translated walk is the Greek word peripateo and it means conduct or con it, 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 the significance of the word though is that it's used in the present text and so what he's talking about is a constant again a constant or a regular continuing action he's literally saying so I keep living by the spirit or I keep walking by the spirit day after day after day no one not you not me, not the most spiritual person you know. No one is going to experience the genuine desires of their heart in line with those words from Psalm 37 and verse four until they commit to the day after day repetition of whatever it is that's necessary to experience those, desire, those desires. No one is going to experience the fruit of the spirit until they commit to living day after day by the spirit, walking day after day by the spirit. No one is going to experience financial peace until they commit to day after the day after day repetition of good money management. No one is going to experience physical health until they commit to the day after day discipline of a healthy lifestyle and on and on and on. That's how it works. That's what we need to embrace in the beginning of this new year. Let me give you one last word. So the first word was plan. You gotta plan your harvest. The second word was sow. You gotta sow the kind of seeds that lead to that harvest. And here's the third word. And it's so important. It's the word trust. Write that down somewhere. And when I say trust, here's what I mean. Once you plan and you sow the right kind of seeds, once you plan the kind of harvest that you want and you sow the right kind of seeds that will lead to that harvest, you've got to trust that the harvest will come.
You've got to trust the harvest. We go back to our original text. We get to Galatians chapter six and verse nine. I told you this is like my life verse for ministry. <clears throat> and this is what Paul writes. He says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we do not give up. Now there's some, there's some, there's a, a basic truth about the power of perseverance that just jumps off the, the page to you when you read that verse. But can I tell you the thing that always stands out to me about that verse more than anything else? And this is really important. Hang on to this. Here's what jumps off the verse. Let me read it to you one more time. He says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I, the first thing that I see in that verse is not perseverance. The first thing I see in that verse is the truth that good things will wear you out. You see it? What, what'd he say? He said, let us not become weary in what? Doing good. Good things will wear you out. Day after day submission to the Holy Spirit will wear you out. Day after day practice of good financial principles that lead to financial peace will wear you out. Day after day commitment to living a healthy lifestyle so that you can be physically healthy will wear you out. And if you don't understand and embrace that from the very beginning, you won't be able to stay the course. And that's why this verse is so powerful. Let us not become weary in doing good, whatever the good is. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So what helps us persevere? What helps us to make a commitment day after day to submit, to yield, to be filled with the Spirit? What helps us commit to good money management day after day? What helps us commit to good, healthy, physical lifestyle day after day? It's trusting that if we hang in there and we do that, then the harvest will come. One day, the harvest will come. because we reap what we sow. And that's something that you can trust. I, I, I hope that's an encouraging word to you in the beginning of a new year. I do, because as your pastor, I have no greater desire than to see your life be everything that God wants your life to be. Everything. And the life that God offers us is far greater than any life that we can find from this world. I want you to pray with me. Father in heaven, thank you so much for a chance to study the Bible. We got started in a little bit of a rough way, but thank you so much for being a God of grace and mercy and comfort. And I pray that my feeble effort to relay the truth of this powerful passage of scripture will resonate in our hearts today. I mean, there's a reason why Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 10, the thief comes only to kill and to steal and destroy, but I've come so that they might have life and have it to the full, that they might have life and they have it more abundantly. What you offer us through Christ is so much greater than anything we can find in this world but it comes at a cost to each one of us. And that cost is to be seriously focused and committed 
on our life of faith, on following you, on being filled with the Spirit every single day, day after day after day. Give us the courage and the commitment to do that. We love you and we pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed and said? 